Blog Talk Radio.
Peggy Joseph took her daughter out of school early Wednesday for this. Her emotions ran high following Obama's speech. It was the most memorable time of my life. I, I, it was a touching moment because I never thought this day would ever happen. I won't have to worry about putting gas in my car. I won't have to worry about paying my mortgage. You know, if I, if I help him, he's going to help me. Yeah. How's that? How's that hope and change working out for you black folks out there in in Obama land? Good evening, folks, and welcome to another hour of the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Now, for those of you who I, I know I have some new some new listeners uh, to the show and uh I had a couple of folks ask me the other the other day. Um, well, what 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 kind of doctor are you? I mean, what uh, what's your what's your what's your field? And I and I was thinking maybe they were thinking I was a, I'm a medical doctor, but actually I am a <clears throat> graduate of the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, uh, the uh, master's degree from Georgetown University in uh, history. And of course, uh, my PhD is from uh, is uh, from the College of William and, and Mary, Thomas Jefferson's alma mater. So, with that being said, that's the kind of doctor I am. But hey, listen, um, we got some stuff to talk about, and uh, one of them is um, uh, Benjamin Benjamin Netanyahu today gave his speech in front of a joint session of Congress, and Nancy Pelosi simply just showed out. Why she even showed up, I don't know. I mean, over 50 Democrats uh, boycotted Netanyahu's uh, speech. Obviously, none of those 50 uh, have um, Jewish uh, supporters, folks. Uh, so they, they went ahead and boycotted um, Netanyahu's speech. But why didn't uh, why didn't Nancy just just stay home? Why why even show up if you're gonna? Behave the way that the way that she did, and did you notice? And I, you know what? You know what made me both proud and embarrassed by Netanyahu's speech was the fact that he spoke for about forty minutes, and he didn't use a teleprompter. He had a stack of uh, uh, three by five cards, very small. He glanced down because I, I, I paid close attention. He glanced down. Maybe three, four, five times at his cards, and he spoke. And he spoke from the heart. He 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 spoke off the cuff, and um, he was a he is an extremely uh, intelligent and eloquent man. Um, unlike our president, who seems to need the aid of the uh, of a teleprompter, even uh, when uh, when he's addressing. Um, uh, school children. Uh, remember that uh, infamous um, uh, scene where he uh, had his teleprompters set up in a sixth, uh, third, or fourth grader uh, classrooms um, uh, classroom. Well, as it turns out, uh, the teleprompter wasn't for the little school kids. It was for uh, some adults who were going to be in later on. But why? You're in a you're in a you're in a child's classroom. Why 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 do you need the teleprompters? Why can't you just 
just speak. But, I, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, I wonder if Lincoln would use a teleprompter, would have used a teleprompter had it been available to him or FDR or, or some of the great orators of our time, presidents and, and otherwise. Um, I think uh, reading from a prepared text is kind of like cheating. And I know other presidents presidents have done it, uh, Clinton, uh, Bush. Um, I'm, I believe even, even Reagan. So I, I just wonder, I, I think it's cheating a little bit, but anyway, let's get on with the show. You know, by every meaningful, measurable statistic, black Americans specifically, and most Americans in general have suffered greatly during the tenure of Barack Obama. The age of Obama has proven itself the truest modern example of plantation politics in this country, where millions have been tricked into placing themselves into their own shackles of generational dependence and the resulting absence of their own self-worth. The results of this enslavement are higher crime, unemployment, and hopelessness in the very communities Barack Obama and his fellow progressive Democrats claim to want to help. That deception is not only actively destroying segments of America, but all of America. Things are not right in this country, folks. We feel it. We know it. Every one of us who's been paying attention senses the increasing the increasing despair and uncertainty for 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 what's to come next. We're all being duped, played, hoodwinked, and bamboozled. And in the end, regardless of race, gender, or sexual preferences, we all know the pain of the cracking whip as it slashes across the tender skin of a seemingly broken nation, oozing the blood of lost hope. The statistics are both startling and profound, particularly given how much time was spent by the Obama campaign and fellow Democrats clinging to his former popularity of waning and wanting to help those in need and giving everyone a fair shot at success. What happened to that? These statistics paint a very different picture of what, what's been done to individuals and families struggling to survive in the age of Obama. Remember that slogan he used? We want to give everyone a fair shot. Well, let's talk about that. Black poverty has skyrocketed in recent years. The abortion rate for black teens is four times that of white teens. Black unemployment remains far higher than other segments of the population. Black teen unemployment is nearly 40%. Gang membership is up sharply by 40%. Black-on-white crime is up 18%. The black dropout rate, when you include incarcerated black youth, is nearly 50%. 72% of black children are now born to single mothers, 
1965, this number was 23%, folks. Cities like my hometown of Chicago have become the epicenters of inner-city holocaust with hundreds of young black youth killed every year. Today, just 13%, we're just 13% of the total population of this nation Blacks account for over 50% of all murders and 72% of all shooting victims. But you don't have to take my word for it. Look it up yourself. These statistics are are readily available. Now, I know there will be some of you who say, who say, well, Obama's not to blame for that. He can't fix everything. Well, that may be true enough. And and in fact, I I couldn't agree more, but Obama says that he can fix these things. He wants to take money from one group of people to give to these people so that they can have a fair shot at the American dream, but it doesn't seem that, that that's working out for everyone. Here's a quote from a CNN report on Barack Obama's impact on black America. Put bluntly, no other ethnic group in America has suffered more than black Americans during the Obama administration. It's a black president, folks. Now, take the above-mentioned, the the, the above-mentioned statistics and the CNN quote and now listen to this now infamous audio of a former Obama supporter. Check this out. Obama! You, you got Obama phone? Yes, everybody in Cleveland low minority got Obama phone. Keep Obama in president, you know? He gave us a phone. He gave you a phone. How did he give you a phone? You, you sign up if you're, you're on phone stamps, you're on social security, you got low income, you disability. Okay, what's wrong with Romney again? Romney, he sucks. Obama. You, you got Obama phone? Yes, everybody in Cleveland, low minority, got Obama phone. Keep Obama in president, you know? He what? gave us a phone. He gave you a phone. How do he give you a phone? You, you sign up if you're, you're on phone stamps, you're on social security, you got low income, you disability. Well, <laughs> shall I begin? That woman, whom, by the way, is said to have since turned away from blindly supporting Barack Obama, represents millions of Americans, black, white, or other, who voted for Obama, believing they would be given something for nothing. Since a relationship is akin to a plantation owner's promising of food and shelter in exchange for work, through though in a in a modern era of plantation politics, work has been replaced with a vote. The reason why blacks overwhelmingly vote Democrat is because they've been promised something for nothing. 
you know, and a lot of black folks will lean back on that whole thing. Well, you know, my ancestors came here and changed. They suffered through 400 years of slavery. It's been 400 years for the last 450, 70, 80 years. But nevertheless, they suffered through 400 years of slavery. You know, and we've been held back for so long. We deserve this. We deserve that. You know, and the reason why, you know, we're 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 getting these things is because you know we're we're behind the curve and all that stuff. It's nothing more than giving a few crumbs to an unfortunate black person in exchange for that person's vote in order to keep mostly white folks, in power. So they're living large on Capitol Hill. They're in power. They're riding around in limousines. They're, they're, they're the rock stars of government. And all they have to do is allocate a few funds here and there just to keep the black folks happy. Give them some scraps. Yeah. Vote for the people and policies that will keep you as a slave. And we will continue to provide you with a few scraps that will allow you to simply exist, but not actually live a full, happy, and productive life. That's what the Democrats are promising. You see, I've always likened the difference between a Democrat and Republican to the time of the Emancipation Proclamation, when the proclamation was handed down, the Democrat slave master, and this actually happened on many occasions, would attempt to persuade the former slave to remain on and work for a paltry sum they can stay they can they they can they can continue to live where they were living in squalor and work and instead of being paid nothing they would be paid a small wage and the slave master would say to his group of former slaves now look here if you leave this plantation there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to make your way out into the world. So stay here on my plantation. You'll be safe. You can work here. You can live here. Because you can't make your way out into the world. You don't have the tools. You don't have what it takes be productive away from my plantation. And a lot of times, the slaves would, would agree. And they'd stay on, and they'd work as sharecroppers. Now, contrast that with across the road, across the dirt road, and the Republican former slave owner has his slaves out, his former slaves out in a big crowd, and he says to them, look, you're free. You're free to go and pursue your own happiness, to do your own thing. I can't take care of you. I'm not going to. Take what God-given tools you have, go out, and make the best of your life. 
And you can stay here and you can work and I'll pay you a decent wage. Or you can just go and live and make your way as best you can. And I believe that that way of thinking, the Republican conservative way of thinking, is the right way. Because Democrats, and here's the major difference, Democrats seek to convince blacks that they'll never be able to make their way in the world because they've fallen so far behind everyone else that they need a couple of hundred dollars a month in food stamps. They need a a mobile phone. They need a paltry amount for child care. They need food stamps. They need these things, and we'll provide them for you because you can't make your way on your own. You're not smart enough. You're not resourceful enough. You just don't have the tools. So here's what you do, Negro. You vote for me, Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid, and we'll make sure that the government takes care of you. And all I ask is that you vote for me. And and you know what? I did a study recently where I went over to DFACS, Department of Children and Family Services, and I asked for an application for uh, for, for uh, TANF. I forgot what that's called. But uh, it's where they give you a certain amount of money per month until you can find a job. And it's pretty much a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a veiled jobs program. Well, I got the application, but along with the application was, of course, a voter's registration application. And the package stresses not to fill out the paperwork properly and be accurate, but to register to vote. It's a, it's it's a, I'm going to give you the, what they're saying is these local local government offices is we'll give you this but we want you to register to vote and remember who's giving you this free money and register to vote and to vote democrat. The paperwork doesn't say that, but it implies it. Certainly it does. This is the unofficial mantra of the Obama age. Vote for the people and policies that will keep you as a slave. And we will continue to provide you a few scraps that will allow you to exist but not actually to live a full and happy, productive life because you can't on food stamps. You just can't. You can survive. But that's all. Sadly, millions upon millions now find themselves trapped by it. Statistically, nearly all American families, regardless of color, are doing worse since Barack Obama became president. Last year, the Pew Research Center indicated that only the wealthiest of Americans 
have prospered under the heavily special interest focus of the Obama Democrats, while the the other 93% who call the United States home have lost net worth. Progressive Democrats, who are themselves very rich, so often speak out in generalized terms against the wealthy, while initiating policies that allow the rich to become richer and keep the middle class and the poor locked into place, increasingly dependent upon the services of the political plantation. But we have a black president, don't we? What is he good for? Is he making us... Is it pride? Can we take pride to Publix? Can we take pride to Kroger? Certainly can't take pride to Whole Foods. Or Trader Joe's, where I shop. Can you get some bread with that pride in the black president? No, you really can't. You, you really can't. We must... We must regain our dignity. For, for it's there we'll, we'll find our collective strength. Break the shackles of plantation politics, ignore the lies of the progressive race-baiting hucksters, and demand real opportunity that can only come in the form of personal liberty and freedom, not free handouts. Not Obama saying, we want everyone to have a fair shot while he gets on Air Force One and flies off to Martha's Vineyard. We'll take a short break and we'll come right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Supreme Court to hear second Obamacare challenge. Deadline looms for states to respond on immigration suit. Execution of Georgia woman postponed over cloudy drugs. These are the True News headlines. I'm D.W. Balch. The Supreme Court hears a second major case targeting Barack Obama's health care law. The court will consider a challenge to tax subsidies critical to the measure's implementation. The case is set for a one-hour oral argument starting just after 10 a.m. Wednesday, with a ruling due by the end of June. Twenty-six states have until Tuesday to submit court documents detailing why a preliminary injunction should not be lifted regarding the immigration law. States' action have halted Barack Obama's executive action on illegal immigration. The injunction halted Obama's order February 16th that could spare deportation as many as 5 million people who are in the U.S. illegally. The 26-state coalition is arguing that Obama's executive action was unconstitutional. The execution of a woman in Georgia has been postponed after officials say the drugs that were due to be used appeared cloudy. Kelly Gassander's execution had already been postponed once because of a snowstorm. Simon Marks reports. On Monday night, as she awaited final word about her fate from the U.S. Supreme Court, the prison authorities pulled the plug on her date in the death chamber. The pentobarbital they were planning to use to kill her appeared cloudy, and out of what prison officials called an abundance of caution, they decided not to proceed with the execution. One of South America's most active volcanoes erupted again in southern Chile, spewing heavy smoke and lava as thousands evacuated. There are concerns that mudslides caused by melting snow could make things worse. Today's the day. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu talks to Congress. 
warning of the dangers of trusting Iran to curb its nuclear ambitions. Even as Barack Obama's negotiations continue, talking with the Iranians Tuesday in hopes of closing a deal this month. Netanyahu insists he's privy to emerging details of a potential agreement and is expected to lay out specific concerns in today's speech to a joint meeting of Congress. An audio recording has emerged of Mohammed Mwazi, the Islamic State member who's become known as Jihad John, denying that he's an extremist. Innocent people have been, have, have said, no, what do you think? I think this is extremism. He said, okay, what do you think of um, the, the war in Afghanistan? I said, what do I think, you know? We see the news, innocent people are getting killed. And he started telling me, what do you think of 9-11? I told him, this is a wrong thing. What happened was wrong, you know what? Amazi, whose identity was made public last week, has appeared in a series of Islamic State beheading videos. For more news, views, and comments, go to truenews.com. That's T-R-U-N-E-W-S dot com. I'm T.W. Volch. My name is Albert Lee Guillory and I'm the senator for the 24th district right here in beautiful Louisiana. Recently I made what many are referring to as a bold decision to switch my party affiliation to the Republican Party. I wanted to take a moment to explain why I chose to become a Republican and also to explain why I don't think it was a bold decision at all. It is the right decision, not only for me but for all my brothers and sisters in the black community. You see, in recent history, the Democrat Party has created the illusion that their agenda and their policies are what's best for black people. Somehow it's been forgotten that the Republican Party was founded in 1854 as an abolitionist movement with one simple creed, that slavery is a violation of the rights of man. Frederick Douglass called Republicans the party of freedom and progress. And the first Republican president was Abraham Lincoln, the author of the Emancipation Proclamation. It was Republicans in Congress who authored the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, giving former slaves citizenship, voting rights, and due process of law. The Democrats, on the other hand, were the party of Jim Crow. It was Democrats who defended the rights of slave owners. It was the Republican President Dwight Eisenhower who championed 
the Civil Rights Act of 1957. But it was the Democrats in the Senate who filibustered the bill. You see, at the heart of liberalism is the idea that only a great and powerful big government can be the benefactor of social justice for all Americans. But the left is only concerned with one thing, control. And they disguise this control as charity. Programs such as welfare, food stamps, these programs aren't designed to lift black Americans out of poverty. They were always intended as a mechanism for politicians to control the black community. The idea that blacks, or anyone for that matter, need the government to get ahead in life is despicable. And even more important, this idea is a failure. Our communities are just as poor as they have always been. Our schools continue to fail children. Our prisons are filled with young black men who should be at home, being fathers. Our self-initiative and our self-reliance have been sacrificed in exchange for allegiance to our overseers who control us by making us dependent on them. Sometime I wonder if the word freedom is tossed around so frequently in our society that it has become a cliché. The idea of freedom is complex and it's all-encompassing. It's the idea that the economy must remain free of government persuasion. It's the idea that the press must operate without government intrusion. And it's the idea that the emails and phone records of Americans should remain free from government search and seizure. It's the idea that parents must be the decision makers in regards to their children's education, not some government bureaucrat. But most importantly, it is the idea that the individual must be free to pursue his or her own happiness, free from government dependence and free from government control. Because to be truly free is to be reliant on no one other than the author of our destiny. These are the ideas at the core of the Republican Party, and it is why I am a Republican. So my brothers and sisters of the American community, please join with me today in abandoning the government plantation and the party of disappointment so that we may all echo the words of one Republican leader who famously said, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Welcome back, folks, to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I couldn't have said it better myself. When some ask me why I am a Republican, I I certainly wish I could have been as eloquent in stating my reasons why I am a Republican. You know, after six years of Obama's presidency, African-Americans, black people. The unemployment rate is more than double that of whites. Obama's policies haven't provided jobs, obviously. But he has provided record levels of welfare, food stamps, disability, and other handouts from government. Is this the man, is this, is this the man out to help you? With friends like that, Who needs enemies? But I digress. It's about to get worse. Far worse. 
Obama's imminent amnesty plan will allow millions of illegal immigrants to compete for jobs at the lowest rung of the economic scale, a disproportionate number of whom are black Americans, with Total disregard for their welfare, hopes, and dreams, Obama will snub his nose at all the struggling lower middle class income Americans by allowing millions of uneducated, hardworking, desperate to support their family, families, illegal aliens to legally fight them for low wage jobs. These illegal immigrants aren't going to take the jobs of Obama's liberal Ivy League friends. They aren't going to take the jobs of millionaire bundlers. They aren't going to take the jobs of his billionaire, limo-riding, private, jet-flying Democrat donors. Those, they pose no threat to uh, Hollywood celebrities. Millions of illegal immigrants suddenly legalized will be taking low-wage jobs from blacks and other lower-income Americans. After after Obama finishes his 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 illegal amnesty deed, Black Americans will either have have a hard time ever finding another job, or the wage pressure created by all these new job seekers means that any black Americans with a low-wage job will never again see a raise. And forget about young people, especially those without college degrees, ever finding employment at any wage. But black people aren't concerned with that. I mean, Obama's not concerned with that. You see, he is attempting to shore up the Democratic the Democrat voter base. He couldn't. He couldn't care about these things. He doesn't. Be, he doesn't believe it matters. Because, as previously stated in this on this broadcast, Barack Obama knows full well that blacks represent thirteen less than fourteen percent of the total population of this country. But the fastest rising ethnic demographic is Hispanics. If he can lock up the Hispanic vote, if the Democrats can lock up the Hispanic vote by 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 offering amnesty, then he's got the fastest growing voting block in the country and the African Americans, the blacks, and the other liberals. He's got a permanent majority. That's all they care about. Don't think for one minute, folks, that President Obama cares about you. That he cares about black Americans. Or blacks. He couldn't care less. He doesn't even care about Hispanics. He's looking to shore up the Democrat voting block. And that's all. Am I wrong? Well, guess who agrees with me? Barack Obama himself. Obama wrote in his book, The Audacity of Hope, 
that illegal immigration harms the wages of blue-collar workers, especially black Americans, depresses wages, and strains the overburdened safety net. That's what Senator Obama said in his own book in 2006. So then why is he doing this? So if Senator Obama understood the damage illegal immigration does to black Americans, why would now President Obama open the floodgates to illegal immigration? You don't believe what I said? Well, let me read it again. Barack Obama wrote in his own book, The Audacity of Hope, that illegal immigration harms the wages of blue-collar workers, especially black Americans, and depresses wages and strains the overburdened safety net. That's what Senator Barack Obama said in his own book in 2006. So if Senator Obama understood the damage, why is he doing this? Why? Why would President Obama want to harm blue-collar workers and depress wages? Is Obama a racist out to keep black Americans hopeless, helpless, and dependent on crappy government checks for the rest of, well, for, for all time? I can't tell you what's in his heart, but, but, but I can tell you Obama is no friend of black Americans. The next time you walk into a voting booth, remember, it's Obama and the entire liberal political establishment who stays in power by keeping their voters poor and dependent. No doubt. And you know, I'm consistently amazed because blacks talk about what a great what a great man Barack Obama is. Just the other day, uh, a, a, a friend of mine said that uh, that America's prosperity has been kickstarted by Obama's presidency. That that she believes that Obama will go down as one of America's great presidents, and that he's made life better for blacks. She's what we Republicans call a low-information voter. You see, she's not all that concerned, or what they'll say to me is they don't have the time to get into what's going on in politics. They've said it many times. I'll throw a fact out, and they'll respond, well, you know, I'm, I'm too busy. I've got, I got other things going on. I'm too busy to, read the, to watch the news and read the newspaper. I, got, I didn't know. Did he really say that? Did that really, you know? But they'll be quick to say what a great guy Obama is. I had one friend of mine say that uh, she wanted her next relationship to be very similar to Michelle Barack and Michelle's. I pointed out to her that, uh, honey, did you know that Michelle threatened 
and yes, filed for divorce from Obama. Shortly after Obama ran for a congressional seat on the south side of Chicago against my good friend and former real Black Panther from the 60s Black Panther, Bobby Rush, he lost to Bobby Rush. And he was some $50,000 or so in debt. Well, Michelle had warned him not to run against Bobby Rush. She didn't want to have anything to do with politics, by the way. He ran anyway and got the family into a massive amount of debt. They had no home. They were living in a in a three-story walk-up apartment with their two kids, and and she'd had enough. So she went ahead and filed for divorce. Well, along comes Anthony Resco, who is now a convicted federal, uh, pr- uh, convicted uh, felon, uh, doing a little bit of prison time. He was a, d- a Chicago developer. He comes along and pays off Obama's campaign debt and provides a sweetheart deal to the Obamas to the tune of a really nice house in Hyde Park on the south side of Chicago, almost at no cost to the Obamas. All he wanted in return was a few favors here and there. Michelle, well, she got the debt taken care of. She had the house that she'd always wanted. And so she let Barack slide on that one. But that doesn't speak to the other things, like separate vacations. And recently, Barack and Michelle went their separate ways, separate vacations, on Valentine's, this past Valentine's Day. Yeah, I pointed out to my friend that perhaps Michelle and Barack make great partners. But great romances and great marriage, well, that's still up for debate. But we're getting into some salaciousness now, so let's just move on. (laughs) All of these things can be verified with just a little research on your own. Don't take my word for it. Do you recall the euphoria that engulfed the African-American community back in 2008 when Barack Obama became the 44th president of the United States. Blacks came out for him in droves and voted for him at an astounding 96%. It was the dawning of a new era and a large dose of hope and a large dose of hope and change was on its way to blacks and the country as a whole. Now, six years later, it's clear, baby, that Obama has done nothing to improve the way of life among blacks as a whole. As of June of last year, the African-American unemployment rate stood at a staggering 14.4% with Latinos and Hispanics having an unemployment rate of about 11%. 
while the unemployment rate for whites is 7.4%. Compare these rates to December 2008, the final month. Listen to me now. Compare these rates to December 2008, the final month before Barack Obama stepped into the Oval Office. Whites were unemployed at 6.6%. Hispanics were at a rate of 9.2%. While blacks had an 11.9% rate of unemployment. Blacks have taken it on the chin to a greater degree than any other demographic group. Then why are my friends telling me that blacks have prospered under the Obama administration? You mean with those food stamps? You know, I'm more and more inclined to believe that blacks will settle for the pride of having a black president rather than having money in their purses and in their wallets. Most blacks will go over a cliff with this clown for the sole purpose, the sole reason that he is black. That's all. He has done nothing for black people. He's done nothing for American American America as a whole. All numbers, all statistics indicate clearly that we as Americans, not just black Americans, not just Hispanic Americans, not whites, all of us Statistics clearly show that we're all so much worse off since this guy took office than we were before he took office. Check this out. From 2009 through 2011, black minimum wage workers swelled 16.6%. While whites had only 5.2% more minimum wage workers. Not only then has there been a disproportionate increase in the number of African Americans who are in the unemployment line, but there's also a greater number of blacks working for minimum wage. This surely wasn't the change African Americans were looking for in Obama, was it? Under Obama, blacks, or African Americans if you insist, have fewer jobs. Those who have jobs often making very little. And an increasing number of families with no place to live. Facts that cause African Americans or blacks to wonder why they voted for Obama in 2008. Fewer than 40% of blacks live, black children live with both parents. Black children are seven times more likely to have a parent in prison. Over 70% of black babies are born to unwed mothers. During his 
six years as president of the United States, Barack Obama could have used the bully pulpit of the presidency to make real impact on the black community and address underlying problems within it. Obama appears to be a happily married man and is raising two two young daughters. He and his wife, Michelle, could have invested time and resources in helping to reverse the negative sociological trend present, presented in the, in the black community. They may have had some success, but they've done little to nothing. It, if they would have spent time in black communities around the nation, imagine how young blacks, African Americans, if you insist, could have been influenced and exp- and inspired not to have children out of wedlock and remain married with their spouses. Imagine that. If Obama had spent half the time he spends on the golf course providing giving a black symposium on responsibility. Think of of how well that would have been received. Just imagine, if you will. But he doesn't. You know, that fool from my hometown, Kanye West, infamously stated after Katrina that George Bush don't care about black people. (laughs) it seems that Obama cares a whole hell of a lot less. I wonder what Kanye would say now. And what kind of name is Kanye anyway? What the hell was going on there? Sadly, African Americans reelected or helped to reelect Barack Hussein Obama, their savior. I don't know. I I guess there's some value in being black and having a black president in office, but you can't take that to the bank. You can't take that to the car dealership. You can't take that to the grocery store. You can't take that to the gas pump. Black folks out there, having a black president don't mean a damn thing. Not a damn thing. So my question is, why are you drinking the Kool-Aid? Why? I guess for some of you, it's just important to have a black man in office. Well, for you all, everything's all right. I want to thank you for listening tonight to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Let's chat again tomorrow. Have a great night, folks. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. We're out.
Try not to get worried, try not to turn on to problems that upset you. Don't you know everything's alright, yes, everything's fine. And we want you to sleep well tonight. Let the world turn without you tonight. If we try, we'll get by, so forget all about us tonight. Everything's alright, yes, everything's alright, yes. Sleep and I shall soothe you, calm you, and anoint you for your hot forehead. Then you feel everything's alright, yes, everything's fine. And it's cool and the ointment sweet for the fire in your head and feet. Close your eyes, close your eyes, and relax. Think of nothing tonight. Hey, woman, you find ointment brand new and expensive. Should have been saved for the poor. Why has it been wasted? We could have raised maybe 300 silver pieces or more. People who are hungry, people who are starving, they matter more than your feet and hands. Try not to get worried, try not to turn on to problems that upset you. Don't you know everything's alright, yes, everything's alright, yes. Surely you're not saying we have the resources to save the poor from their lot. There will be poor always, pathetically struggling. Look at the good things you've got. Think while you still have me move, while you still see me. You'll be lost. And you'll be sorry when I'm gone. Sleep and I shall soothe you, calm you, and anoint you for your hot forehead. Then you feel everything's alright, yes, everything's fine. And it's cool and the ointment sweet for the fire in your head and feet. Close your eyes, close your eyes, and relax, think of nothing tonight. Close your eyes, close your eyes, and relax. Close your eyes, close your eyes, and relax. Close your eyes. 